Handle on the News. Handle on the News! For this reason, I am asking Congress to end the dangerous Bill Handle and fully fund our great military. And now, here's Bill Handle. day of June, which is uh, just before July, in case you didn't know that. Uh, good morning. What is it just after? No, hold on. <laughs> May. Oh. I have wow. to do this with my fingers. Why were you counting on your fingers? Because months? you go January, February, March, April. You have to count on your fingers. I still to this day don't know 31 versus 30. Uh, what state? I know that I should tattoo it on my knuckles. So that seems excessive. It does, uh, and I so I don't know. I'm always Wouldn't asking. Let him do it. It'd be funny. Uh, yeah, people think I've gone to prison. Start with a henna. See how you like it. Exactly. Okay. Uh, morning, one and all. There is Jennifer Jones Lee. Good morning, and Wayne Resnick. Good morning. I have an announcement. Okay. Uh, Hold on. Wait. 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 Let me finish okay. saying goodbye. Uh, Alex or hello, Alex. Hello, no arm. And uh, there's John. Okay, you have an announcement. Uh, I don't know how many people are disappointed to hear my voice this morning because the the rumor got out that Rich Murata was coming in starting today. He's not coming in. He's starting Thursday. And then he'll be in Thursday, Friday, and all next week right here on KFI. Doing sports. He will be doing sports. I assume he will be giving you a hard time. Uh, Yeah, he actually, well, It'll be interesting to see under the current administration. He's pretty much of a suck-up. To be honest, uh, or even but he, dishonest. But well, he's very, very lefty, as everyone knows. Oh, very. And when Obama, when he was on the show and Obama was president, of course, you were more in the middle, and he was really the, he would right. give you a lot of leftist crap. Right. Now, because super leftist has left, I, as sort of a middle roader, uh, I am now the communist. Right, so That's it's going to be. Too, I hope you like commies, Jen, because oh, uh, you're, it's you, the, the place is going to be lousy oh with them. Oh my God, I just is moved he? From San Francisco. Uh, might as well I'm change his name it. to Bernie. I mean, he, wow. he, he right. yeah, he's out there. Okay, all right. Thank mm-hmm. you for the warning. Also, does the best Bob Dylan I've ever heard in my life. Oh, I can't wait. Oh yeah, you know, maybe I'll have him uh, bring his guitar. Well, he won't be here in person. He'll be out uh, in uh, Reno. He's not coming out here. Is I he? think he is here. He's going to be here. I, oh, I thought he was coming. Yeah. I'm going to have him bring his guitar. And I may actually, you know what we may do is an entire segment on his uh, songs and his singing ability. I mean, he is, he does a great Springsteen. He does a tremendous fun. Bob Dylan so uh, we or make him do all of his sports reports as a different person. So Bob Dylan does one. He no, that's, it's not one. a question of impressions that he does stand-up comedy impressions. Is anybody imp- does anybody do impressions anymore? I don't think so. Remember Frank Caliendo. Remember Rich Little. Still some of that. Frank Caliendo. Yeah, he's made a living. On Remember that. Chris Little does his impression as a news director. Uh, Ouch. Oh, wow. The wow. knives came out early today. Yikes. 608. I'm waiting for the You're like ring. a sushi chef, but with people's <laughs> emotions. Chris has his own line. I'm looking at it right now, waiting for him to call. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> oh, there he is. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Uh, also, a couple of Instagrams. Uh, I was uh, at Neil's house yesterday. And it's a, it's actually a pretty funny Instagram. 
and I was right in the uh, in sunlight. The sun was beating down on my forehead, and I asked him for a hat. You have to see the Instagram. Okay. You have to see it. By the Bill way, Handel show. Yeah, you it, looked very nice over the weekend. I have never seen you in a tuxedo before. That's right. Sir. Every year I do that. I am the MC of the Lawyers and Judges Philharmonic down at the Disney Music Hall, which uh, it's, it's a wonderful show. Anyway, every year I am. Uh, yeah, it's, it's fabulous. I love it. All right. And then uh, Law Day was that day. It was a tough Saturday. I saw the one picture I saw of you at Law Day. You're sitting there in front of a mic, and next to you is a bagel. I thought that was great. True handle. And we had a problem with the, you know, the the problem was the the real Jew bagels. Yeah. It was in, of course, as opposed to uh, supermarket bagels. I've done that many times. Bitch, moan about that. It was uh, sort of in the middle. If a real bagel and a and and a store bought bagel had a, a baby. Mm-hmm. Had a little bagelette. That was what I was eating. It was like a reformed Jew bagel. It was like a Jew reformed bagel Jew light. bagel. Yeah. A Jew, yeah. It's like, a, you know what? It's like an Israel light. Okay. Wow. Let's let's just do it, okay? Uh, lead story. All of us are immigrants. Oh. Well, the separating uh, immigrant families, of course, has exploded. And the president went out of his way to blame the Democrats for it, uh, which uh, it's the Democrats' fault. I would keep families together, but the Democrats won't let me, effectively, is what he said. I guess Democrats called Jeff Sessions and forced him to say zero tolerance. Uh, I'm assuming that's what happened. In any case, we're going to be doing more about this at 7 o'clock. Steve Gregory is joining us, and uh, it is it has totally exploded. And there is a handout, and I think we're going to put it up if it's not up there, a handout uh, that when families are separated, they're given a handout. And we have it here, and it literally says, next step for families. And there are three things uh, that actually there are four steps. Uh, Now, we'll talk more about that uh, coming up at 7 o'clock. All right, well, Melania Trump made a statement about what she thinks about Children being separated from their families at borders. She says, Let my children yeah, she's having a tough time with this. She said she hates to see children separated from their families and hopes both sides of the aisle can finally come to, together to achieve successful immigration right. reform. Let me tell you what both sides of the aisle is about. The president simply making the decision. That's it. That's the first and last part of it. You know, I thought he was mad at Jeff Sessions anyway for recusing himself. So why wouldn't he just say, stop the right. zero tolerance, stop prosecuting every single person because that's who comes part, across the that's part of, uh, that's simply part of the Trump administration decision where I, I wish he would just stand up and take the credit, uh, negative credit, uh, if he has to say, hey, that's the decision I made. This is my policy. That's my policy. That's it. Instead, it's Jeff Sessler saying this is uh, pol- zero tolerance policy. The president saying, I would love to keep these families together, but the Democrats won't let me. While at the same time, he can simply write an executive order. Now, it's a lot more complicated than that. As Wayne had said, you've got the Flores settlement and they are being treated. Uh, illegal immigrants are now being treated as criminals. You can't uh, keep families separate uh, together in the federal uh, in, in the federal justice system when they're incarcerated in a federal facility. But 
the president could easily, you can say you're not going to federal prison. What you're doing is going to a, uh, going to a federal facility where we can keep people together. But then you have to forego the criminal prosecution. Uh, do you have to? Yes. Can you still call no, it? You, you can't. can't. You can't. That's so the whole has, point. So it has the, to go back to This is all a, a distraction. Civil. The the issue to be debated is should they criminally prosecute every single person that they catch coming over the border illegally or not? Because that drives whether or not these families are separated. And so Melania is saying, I hate this, but uh, you have to follow the law and uh, all, the both sides of the uh, of the aisle should get together on this. And uh, there we go. All right, uh, we're going to come back and do plenty more in the meantime. All right, handle here. It is a uh, Monday. Uh, just we just had a conversation here that I'm not going to share, but uh, we should actually. And I've said this before: uh, the show uh, that it would be a much more entertaining show if we talked about if we broadcast what we say inside. More uh, entertaining, but very short live. Very short live. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as in it probably won't last to the end of the show. Okay, uh, let's do it. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And speaking of immigration enforcement, uh, there was a chase uh, of a vehicle carrying a bunch of undocumented immigrants. It flipped over, 12 people thrown out, at least five killed. Yeah. Uh, This happened in Texas. Yeah, three cars. Yeah, it started. The Border Patrol agent noticed there were three cars. Right. It looked like a caravan. Yep, two, were, two stopped after the chase. One kept on going, and it flipped. And uh, that's a tough one. They think it was a case of smuggling because oh, of they were, the driver and passenger apparently were the only two who were not illegal immigrants in the vehicle. They think it was a case? Well, they haven't. I know it, they haven't officially said it, but uh, of okay. Course. Of course it was. Yes. And then there was this all-night arts festival in New Jersey that ended up turning deadly. First of all, who thought an all-night arts festival was a good idea? Hey, that's You're right. Uh, yeah. There's nothing like looking at a piece of art at 4 o'clock in the morning to really uh, make you appreciate it. Well, but, they had, I mean, I realized they had music and food and yeah, films and, and whatever. Two, and two but, guys come in and just open fire. Yeah. And end up uh, 22 people injured. One of the shooters is dead. They think he was killed by police. And they believe now that it was a neighborhood beef, so gang-related. No one talks anymore about the fact that almost everybody in America has a gun. Uh, and it's so what? It, this is a so what story. Another shooting. Uh, okay, uh, let's just move on. It's uh, pretty depressing for, for those of us who uh, don't own guns. And uh, then there are people like uh, Wayne who own tons Every time, and why am I the example? When you've got suits here and you've got uh, your friend JT. Oh, John Thomas who's is on. has got all... an arsenal. Oh, he's it's got... not like we don't, for goodness sakes. Of yeah, course we do. Yeah, how come we do. give Jen uh, Scott a hard time? Of course. Time. Of course you do. I'm married to a military man. Oh, of course uh, yeah, we okay. do. Alex, do you have guns at home? No, absolutely okay. not. Okay, John? What's a, what's a gun? Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> 
You're right. Oh my. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, do you have if a, it's not part of the Catholic service, yeah, he doesn't exactly. know what it is. I mean, do you have a giant crucifix with nails coming out of it so you can use it as a club? Wow. That I do have. Wow. But I don't use it as a club. Okay. So far, Chris Little this morning, John Ramirez this morning. Moving on. There was a very strong earthquake in Japan. Uh, some people were killed. It's happened around metropolitan Osaka yeah. in western Japan. It's, uh, now, one of uh, the people uh, that died could have easily been, that could have been averted. That was a bookcase falling on someone. And if you, especially in earthquake-prone areas, if you don't... Uh, anchor the uh, bookcases to the wall. I mean, that's crazy. The other ones were concrete walls oh that fell. Goodness. Now, it's then the question is, is it a concrete wall that is reinforced with rebar? And if you have a w- really healthy rebar uh, wall, which you have to do by code here in Southern California, they tend not to collapse. I mean, they'll lean over, they'll crack, but uh, it's probably not going to fall over. And so my question is, could the three of, uh, deaths have been averted? One, absolutely. The other two, I don't know. And 6.1, that's not, a, that's not a massive, massive earthquake. I mean, 6.1 will cause some damage, but no one should have died except for these maybe aberrational deaths. All right. In South Korea, we now know what the end of those war games actually means. We will call for a is out routine yeah the regular Ru- training right routine training military drills are still there as long as north korea continues with going along with the denuclearization right which we haven't even figured out what it is and yeah what are they doing yeah, what how, how are they complying right now uh well they are complying right now and not going forward all right but and not testing to be... and not building and not testing ballistic missiles uh, I guess theoretically stopping their continued building of weapons, although we have no idea because right. there are a hundred different underground facilities. We, I mean, technically, other than their word, we have no proof. Right? That's correct. And okay. the only way we're going to know is for them to admit or agree to complete de- denuclearization the way the West wants it to be, removal of our nuke, all nukes, which is not going to happen. It'll be some kind of compromise. And then verification by an international body, and maybe the United States is involved in that, maybe not, uh, of all the facilities. But that doesn't mean that there'll be hidden facilities. uh, Who was, uh, I think it was Saddam, who uh, agreed at at some point to give up all of his uh, weapons, uh, his gas weapons, uh, nerve agents. And they still, or maybe it was Syria, they still found tons of it. After inspectors came, you could hide this stuff. You can hide a new, they're so small, you can hide a nuclear device under a couch. So as you look for change, wow, there you go. There's a nuke. It's a a dear friend of mine uh, that used to, was in the army. And we're talking about in the 60s. And his job was to carry nuclear weapons, deal with the nuclear weapons in backpacks. He had a full nuke in backpacks and they were trained how to deal with obviously it was tactical it wasn't strategic you know wasn't going to blow up entire cities but pretty healthy explosions could take out a dam i mean could uh, it was pretty important and that was back then 
I'm willing to bet you can have uh, a nuclear weapon, a full nuke of 10 megatons the size of a popsicle. Okay. Is our thing that we're uh, we're late? Never mind. Yeah, we'll, we'll come back and I'll ask you more. Fan. Yeah, okay. KFI AM 640, uh, Jennifer. handle here it is certainly a monday george nori and this will be the last day we talk about it george nori running uh running for has been nominated for the uh radio hall of fame and it's all about your votes and not only does he need your votes uh, he needs the intergalactic interplanetary votes which he's probably getting and uh the votes from venus are pouring in uh go to radiovote.com and vote for not only George, but Ellen Kay, who is uh, over at Coast. All right, <clears throat> more handle on the news. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Well, uh, major U.S. airlines are not doing what China wants. What China wants is for them to refer to uh, Taiwan as a territory of China. And other airlines around the world are doing this at China's behest. But so far, uh, Americans not. Delta, right. United, and Hawaiian. They're not necessarily being defiant, though. America has asked for more time. American to, Airlines. Yeah, to change their it, systems. Now, I, I've booked, we booked flights overseas, and we've done our fair share. Uh, you simply talk about cities. We're going to Zurich. Uh, we're going to Barcelona. It doesn't say country, does it? Does it no, say Zurich, Switzerland? It just says Zurich. No, but like on their maps, for example, if when they if they have a map that shows you, have you ever looked at the in-flight magazine? Sure. Yeah. And in the back, they ha- usually each airline they have a map of the world and they have the little lines that show where but they fly to. But it's city to city. But you're right. It. Uh, but it, they want the map to to show no. Taiwan as part of China. We don't know. Okay, I'll buy that. And uh, according to uh, the LA Times. Uh, the uh, the Chinese, or we don't know what the Chinese are going to do if the airlines say no. Do they take away their landing rights? Do they say you can't overfly our country? Uh, there's a lot they can do. Can they say no more fortune cookies on our flights? You were doing so good. Mugu guy. It was such a China. good analysis. And then. Okay, let's move on. All right. So I didn't even realize my mic was off. That was good. All right. So uh, over the weekend, or on Friday, actually, prison workers in Victorville protested over what they say are unsafe working conditions. Oh, yeah, Victorville. It's a good, wonderful American city. There's a Victorville song? I didn't know that. Uh, So they're saying that the reason that the conditions are unsafe is that it's partially because of the recent transfer of hundreds of immigration detainees to that facility. We were talking about this last week. We need additional staff. We need medical. We need doctors to deal with this. And the Trump administration says, no, you really don't because they're only in for a short period of time. What does that mean? So uh, people are coming in and uh, I'm I'm assuming that people are coming in illegally and transferred are not the healthiest people in the world. They've been walking through Mexico for two and a half, three weeks. And it's, uh, I I just don't get it. A lot of this doesn't make sense, uh, the administration's position. 
Well, I think they're trying to they're they're playing hardball now yeah. to try to get concessions for the border wall. I think that's what this is all about. Hey, uh, you can kill yourself again in California. And when I die, and when only I die. if you are terminally ill and yes. meet other requirements under this uh, right to die right. law. A judge threw it out. He didn't have any problem with the law, any of the words in the law. It was technical. Well, actually, there is one problem. He did make a moral uh, decision. He made a moral call. And that is he, uh, uh, Judge Otelia, ruled the passage was unconstitutional because during a special session uh, during health care, the argument was, and he bought it, that health care has nothing to do with the right to die. And there is there is the argument, is dying part of health care? And I'm going to, hell yes. You know, dying is part of, you know, your life. And doctors take care of your life. So uh, I couldn't uh, disagree more. But Well, the appeals I mean, court has reinstated right. the law yeah, for now. Yeah, and I don't know whether they did it on, I don't know if they uh, argued or uh, or even talked about my argument, but uh, that there's the point is right there is dying part of living. All they have to do is just repass it during a general session, yeah, and then th- this litigation's over. There's a dad in the Bay Area who is the first cancer patient to go to trial, saying that Roundup made him sick. Father, I'm gonna say, yeah, and he's thank boy, he's a mess. Oh my, lesions over 80% of his body. Yeah, I mean, he's dying. And matter of fact, the experts are uh, amazed that he's still around. Yeah. But there is, a, there is a program for expedited trials. When someone is old or someone is very ill, you can go to trial very quickly. Otherwise, you're waiting five years for civil trials. And uh, the argument is roundup. One lawyer has 2,000 clients who uh, have developed non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, lymphoma, who used Roundup extensively. This dad says he used it 20 to 30 times a year while working as a pest manager for a county school system. Yeah, and it's uh, there, and of course Monsanto, uh, or is that Johnson & Johnson's? Monsanto, Monsanto. Uh, said you can't connect the two. It's like, a- remember uh, Alar with the apples, and it turned out there really was nothing there? And then there was the issue of the silicon breast implants causing cancer. And it turned out there really wasn't a connection or enough of a scientific connection to make the case. But juries are juries. They're actually asked to determine minute scientific information. And it goes, what is that about? The judges don't understand it. The attorneys don't understand it. And you have doctors on both sides. Remember Dr. Barking Seal? Oh. Right. Each side yes. calls up Dr. Seal, Dr. Barking Seal, bark, bark, bark. And he'll say, you can buy any opinion you want. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Jennifer Jones Lee. KFI handle here. It is a Monday, June 18th. All right. Uh, more as we've actually finished handle on the news. Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Well, uh, apparently now we got to worry about this giant invasive weed that can blind you. They have found it in Virginia. 
They are on the lookout for it in other states across the country. It's called giant hogweed. It's here, by the way. It is in California? It's in California. They they, found it. Where do you find it? I don't know exactly where, but I talked with Sherry Preston this morning, and she said, yep, California verified. We've got it. And it's massive. It's huge. And it grows like crazy, and it grows up to 14 feet, and then it blocks out the sun, and so the plants under it, of course, can't grow. Don't hike. And it has basically some kind of dangerous sap. Oh, it's crazy. This is why I'm never going to have a problem with this because I don't go outside. It is a good argument for staying indoors. You know what it does? The sap touches your skin, and then it makes your skin so sensitive to the sun that ordinary just walking around, you get a massive sunburn because of it. Yep, and you could even lose your sight. All right. There are four UCLA employees who are suing the school, saying that they were sexually harassed at work. Of course they were. It's a insert name of sexual harassment story here today. This one, though, is a woman. They're saying so it's four women accusing their supervisor, who is also a woman, of regularly slapping their buttocks, caressing their thighs, and making sexual comments about their bodies. Okay. So and they, it's another one. Men, women, does it matter? Hermaphrodites doing uh, sexual no, harassment? It's all this, Right. Later on, uh, 920, I'm going to do a story on sexual harassment. Uh, five steps to end it. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a lot going on. All right, here's another story. Well, Chris Hardwick is losing all of his gigs now over abuse allegations. Now, this is beyond sexual harassment. This is... Uh, his idea of Fifty Shades of Grey, and that is having his girlfriend and, and demanding that she become ready for sex when he comes home, even though she didn't want it, making rules, saying you can't spend time with your friends or as much time. It's uh, it's pretty bad. So he's lost. Uh, he, his, his second season of his talk show was supposed to start right. uh, yesterday, I think. Or is it next Sunday? Well, it doesn't matter because it's not starting. Yeah. He, he also just- is not going to be moderating any panels at Comic-Con. There was a music festival. He's out of that. And one. Nerdist Industries, which is this digital entertainment company that he right. founded, have scrubbed his name. Now, I have a question. Uh, he denies it completely. And how much investigation has been done? Do you, and I'm not saying it's not true, and not for a moment am I saying that uh, his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend is not telling the truth, but do you think... That any accuse, uh, accusee uh, deserves a an investigation, or do we not even bother? Well, that's what NBC thing. NBC is the only place right now that hasn't immediately cut him. He has a game show on there called The Wall, and they said we're going to look into this right. and decide and what should with, happen. And they did with Matt Lauer too, uh, but the evidence was so overwhelming with Lauer that uh, they went ahead and fired him. But at least they investigated him. Wouldn't it be smart, though, for a company to just say, you know what, we're going to, like NBC is doing, let's just put this on hold until we investigate. Yes. Because he could easily come back in for wrongful firing. Oh, or, or yeah, if it turns the out company. there's no credibility. Oh, I'd sue, I'd sue everybody's ass off if it turned out, number one, my statement, if it didn't happen, was true. And there turns out to be no credible evidence on the other side other than a statement. And uh, it's an ex who was pissed off at me, who did not get gigs, who lost gigs. And now, why didn't she get gigs? Because Hardwick uh, made sure that she was blackballed. Uh, Again, uh, do you at any time investigate or you just take people's word for it? One last story. The Pope has compared some abortions to the Holocaust. Oh, my God. 
Jeez, come on, really? Really? Well, he's specifically talking about uh, aborting the baby to avoid a birth defect, which right. I guess to him is a little bit, what, eugenic? Uh, yeah, yes. it, may be, it may be eugenic, but it's far from mass-planned genocide that, were, that had industrial factories for killing people. It's a little bit different. Uh, you, can't, you can't say stuff like that. You really can't. And uh, he does. Okay, we're done. Too bad we don't do the sperm donor story out of Israel, but we'll do it later. You know, Israeli sperm. Very aggressive. We'll do that when we come back. Steve Gregory coming up on the family separation at the border. Okay. This is KFI AM 640. I'm going back to the Here on a Monday morning, June 18th, uh, obviously uh, one of the big stories, maybe the biggest one we're covering is the zero tolerance uh, policy separating families at the border uh, based on uh, or separating families a lot more based on the zero tolerance policy established by the Trump uh, administration enunciated by Jeff Sessions. Steve Gregory, who is uh, a KFI reporter. Uh, is, in fact, has, in fact, studied this. He's covering this, knows more about the border and how it works than anybody I know. Uh, Steve, uh, good morning. Thanks for joining us. So uh, the latest of what's going on and what you know. Well, Handel, good morning. Uh, obviously, uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I, of course it is. It, <laughs> and just so you know, I am kneeling, too, as we speak. Excellent. I'm genuflecting. Um, but, you know, it's just so fascinating how this has reached a fever pitch, and it's because of the optics. This thing is really boiling down to optics now because – and there's a lot of misinformation out there, I think, as to what is really going on down along the border. Um, I think there's this misconception that there's somehow a – policy that specifies that families must be separated upon presenting themselves at the border or those that are caught crossing the border illegally, and that's just not the case. Uh, And I think you just mentioned a a few seconds ago that this is actually the separation of families is a byproduct of people getting arrested at the border, families, when when they're caught as a family union. And what's happening is that because the Trump administration is ramping up this effort, it's nothing that hasn't changed over the last decade in terms of the way they treat families that come across the border illegally. I mean, take, for instance, if uh, something happens in L.A. County and the sheriff's deputies go to a house and they find that uh, the two parents that they're about to arrest for some drug crimes, let's say, also happen to have two kids. Well, the same thing happens in that situation. They're going to take the two parents into custody. They're going to call child services for the children, and then child services is going to attempt to find next of kin or somebody in the immediate family. But do they separate those uh, that family immediately? In other words, the parents are arrested, uh, turned over to the folks at ICE, I'm assuming. Uh, that's what happens. And then the separation occurs then as opposed to upon their arrest for a criminal charge, immediately child services are called and the separation occurs there. Yeah, sometimes it depends on the severity of the crime, but in, in a lot of cases what happens in L.A. County could be more severe than what happens along the border. And, it, and let me explain. Along the border, and in some of the stories we've been hearing in this last couple of weeks, have been involving families who come across the border illegally that aren't seeking asylum. 
See, and then there, there are two different ways that that's being treated here. So if a family's coming across with a larger group, and I have seen this happen before, I've seen it with my eyes when large groups of people come across, and it's whether I've been with the Border Patrol or when I've been covering the Miniman Project, I'll see a group of people come across, they're, they're, they're detained, and it comes up to be, you know, five or six of them might be one family. Well, immediately they're taken into detention, they're interviewed, and when charges are filed or when the parents are, you know, detained, they are taken away from their children, and their children are placed at that point in a federal situation, they're placed in the care of Health and Human Services, which has a refugee office. That office attempts to find relatives in the United States to where they can place those children. If relatives cannot be found, then they will place them in the temporary foster situation, and in most cases, they'll be taken to one of those child centers that you've been hearing about on the news where you know, they've renovated old warehouses or Walmart buildings or military bases. And what happens is then those parents are being detained in a federal detention center or, in some cases, in jail already until their trial before an immigration judge. And, and of that, course, they're separated at that right. point. And they're separated at that point because children can't be serving time in a federal facility right. or detention or jail with their parents. All right, two questions. Uh, First of all, is it simply a question of numbers now where the outrage uh, is coming because everybody is tied up in that system? Yes. Okay. And uh, the other one, assuming the kids are in detention or put, placed into foster care, is there visitation? Do they come and visit the, the families? Uh, can the parents uh, arrange or the authorities arrange for s- some kind of uh, Daily no. or nothing. I mean, they gen- no. they just no. don't see their kids. And, and let me tell you why. Because in, in some cases, in, our, in most all cases, let's say that caravan that came up from Central America that, that ended up in San Ysidro Port of Entry in Tijuana, the parents there of the, the families were taken to facilities in Texas, and one of two facilities in Texas. Now, the kids might have been shipped to other places throughout the country. Now, I am told by federal authorities that every attempt is made to keep the children and the family or the parents kind of within a geographical region, kind of within a, uh, you know, a, within a day's drive of each other if they can't. But that's not really the case anymore. So you may have the parents in a facility, holding facility in Texas, but the kids might be in Elizabeth, New Jersey. All right. So what are the options that the government has? Uh, is it a question of... Simply, if you're going to charge someone with a crime, you're kind of screwed. If What if you just charge them civilly? Do, well, they, do, they, do they stay together? Well, here's the thing. So this was going on during the Obama administration and, and, and during the Bush administration. This is, this is not something new. And this is what I think has got some people perplexed, because this is nothing new. And I think that's why President Trump has been saying, you know, this is what the Democrats started. And it's not, that's, that's kind of an untrue statement as well. What is going on is uh, President Trump's administration has ramped up these efforts and ramped up all of this that's going on. But in the Obama administration, and I remember covering this last year, I saw a facility in, down here in Nogales, uh, right at the border of Nogales in Arizona. And what, what happens is catch and, catch and release. Now, under the Obama administration, it was kind of encouraged to do the catch and release situation. Basically, parents were released on their own recognizance. And they were expected to show back up in an immigration court sometime later. Well, as we know, in most every case, 
the, those families don't show up. And instead, they end up just disappearing into the country somewhere. All right. Let, and, let me let me put you on hold for a minute, if you don't mind. Sure. And uh, come back and talk about that and how uh, this separation started and what's the difference and how difficult it is uh, for the kids. Because later on, uh, I'm going to do a segment on just what happens to those kids psychologically. And there are some studies being done and some experts are weighing in. We'll be right back with Steve Gregory. KFI AM 640, let's check in. with KFI handle here on a Monday morning. Uh, Some of the big stories that we are covering, of course, family separation, which uh, we're about to deal right now with Steve Gregory uh, for a second segment Pardons, more pardons are coming. We'll talk about that. Uh, let's go back to Steve uh, in terms of what's going on at the border. Of course, the politics of uh, the separation of families has exploded. exploded. And if you explained, uh, it really is not a question of policy. That's been around for a bunch of years. It's a question of uh, the extent, the numbers, and the optics. Steve, what happens uh, or what is the difference between a civil procedure as uh, the illegal aliens are being treated with families and a criminal procedure in terms of separation. Well, you know, and I'm glad you asked that because, you know, in the in the civil situation like this, that might be in those situations where families are asking for asylum and where they're kind of in limbo, and that's treated differently than the criminal proceedings. Now, in the case of that caravan that came up from Central America, for instance, now that was a situation where the family was kept as a unit for most of the processing because they won't go through a medical screening, then they've got to go through an interview, and then they actually separate the family, but they're still in the same building, but they'll interview them and ask them questions because they're attempting to vet the family. They're finding out whether the family is telling the truth and the burden of proof on, remember, the credible fear interview is the burden is on the family. So it's treated differently in that case, but if it's determined by a customs agent, a specially trained customs agent, that the family has a credible fear or has, you know, the, a, a credible reason to seek asylum, then that family is transported as a unit to another holding facility where they can sit there and wait for their day in court. And they can be, they can be together as a family, but they have, that's if they've processed or been processed as a legal entry into the United States through the asylum process. If so it's only asylum is uh, that and that's under those are the only circumstances under which families are kept together, correct? Currently. And and that's a situation or you know whether uh you know they're they're caught in a in a very there's a mitigating circumstance or something something odd or off the wall yet, then those are gonna be the cases. In the criminal process, kind of what I explained before is if that family comes across the border illegally, you know, in a, in a flagrant disregard for the law kind of thing, then that's going to be a criminal proceeding. And that's the, where the rub is at right now with the optics of all of this, because the Trump administration has said no catch and release. So you don't have a lot of that uh, situation where the families aren't being separated at nearly the rapid pace that they are now, because the Trump administration has said zero tolerance policy. And that means that now the detention centers are overcrowding, the child facilities are overcrowding, and the jails are overcrowding because they're, they're just doing it at such a rapid pace. Um, now, here, there's the other side to this issue. Now, Border Patrol officials in the Rio Grande sector of Texas, and that's where the majority of the processing is happening in that sector there. 
They're saying now that at to date, they have arrested 600 what they classify heads of households, 600 already for fraud because they have tried to game the system. And they've also had to put in for removal uh, a number amount of kids because they have been caught lying about their age. And a lot of the kids claim to be younger than they really are because they want to be accepted in under DACA. So there's the other side of that issue and that story. And that's the reasoning behind President Trump's zero-tolerance policy, because there are people trying to game the system, and you're not going to know that unless you take this seriously. And that's uh, there are more people trying to game the system than were before? Well, only because the numbers are, well, right. the numbers are larger, and he's taking a, a, a hard-line stance on it, whereas before the catch and release, it was one of those, just get him before a judge, judge says, okay, come back in a year. Because remember, the courts are so overcrowded, a lot of these immigration cases aren't being heard for a year or two up to four years uh so that was the case before but not now right now the the trump administration wants every one of these things handled on the spot whether that means detention whether that means get in front of a judge because they are trying to send more judges down to the border but uh, they want it all processed, and they want it all adjudicated as soon as possible. All right, and uh, my last question is uh, that certainly the folks south of the border, uh, word spreads very quickly as to policies and what's going on. Uh, I mean, they're, they know uh, what the United States policy is. Has that changed at all in terms of what their attempts are? Well, see, now that's, that's the PR part of this, too. And Jeff Sessions has said that this is a deterrent. In addition to them following the law, the letter of the law, they want this to be known as a deterrent. This is what will happen if you try to cross okay. our borders illegally. And is it a deterrent? Is there any way to determine that? There's, it, there's, it's too soon to gather any empirical data. We're, we're not going to know if, if border crossings or attempted border crossings are down or up. We're not going to know that for another few months. All right, Steve, thank you. You got it, pal. Greatly appreciate it. Steve uh, has covered the border for years and years. Matter of fact... I was down at the border with him for one story. As a matter of fact, the, the one of the first stories that we uh, did together. All right, now, uh, pardons. Pardon me, but we're going to do pardons. Uh, and it is a whole story in itself, and it's a given already. And I'm going to explain why when we come back. KFI AM 640. I stand by my pardon and pardon. Pardon, pardon, pardon. So This is uh, KFI on a uh, Monday, June 18th. Uh, handle in the morning crew. Uh, last big push. Uh, let's do it. Uh, inducting George Norrie and Ellen Kay into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Can't do it without you. And the voting ends tonight at 9 o'clock. And so here's how to do it. You text the code 700. <clears throat> excuse me. You text the code 700 to 96,000. That's your vote. You can also... Uh, vote online. Matter of fact, you can do both. You vote online at radiovote.com, radiovote.com. So for George, the code 796,000. And while you're there, also vote for LNK from uh, Coast. Let's get them into uh, the National Radio Hall of Fame. Okay, now, uh, the whole bar- pardon issue. I don't even know why we're discussing pardons. For those who are in, under investigation with the Russians, and in the case of Paul Manafort, uh, is uh, his issue. He's in jail right now. 
on an additional charge of uh, tampering with a witness or two witnesses in his upcoming trial for tax evasion and money laundering, etc. Already, Giuliani has said said that uh, a pardon will come down if the president thinks that these people are being unfairly treated. Well, the president's already said that. It's uh, crazy. It's going to happen. I don't even know why. I don't even know why you've got uh, Mueller going forward with the investigation. I guess he has to. Uh, and uh, there may be some political fallout if the president goes ahead. Well, when the president goes ahead and pardons uh, everybody who is uh, the target of this investigation. And uh, even people who have uh, pled guilty, Michael Flynn. Why? Because this is a witch hunt and it is politically motivated and there is no criminal activity here. It doesn't exist. For example, let's talk about Michael Flynn for a moment. He pled guilty to lying to the FBI. The president said he lied to the FBI. And what did he just say a couple of days ago? I don't know if he lied. Some people say he did lie. Other people said he didn't lie. We really don't know. And, of course, the press goes nuts and said, but he admitted he lied. You said he lied. And so uh, it's it's very depressing uh, because there's no such thing anymore as a legitimate investigation of anybody in the Trump camp. It just doesn't exist for a couple of reasons. One, it's all a witch hunt. None of it is real. If the those around the president are being investigated, by definition, according to President Trump, it is unfair and they are the victims of witch hunt. There is no possibility of any criminality with those people that are in his camp or around him or work for him. So as far as he said, and Republicans are saying, in many cases, stop the investigation. Or another occasion, uh, let's wrap it up. It's been going on too long. Even though other investigations where either the president is being investigated, specifically, for example, those have gone on far longer. A year is relatively short for an investigation of this kind. Watergate went on much longer. Bill Clinton went on longer. That just happens with these kinds of investigation. They're far-reaching. They go into the weeds. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of documents are looked at. And they just take time. And then you have uh, the Republicans uh, either saying they agree that it's all a witch hunt or... It's going way too slowly. Mitch McConnell, for example, says it's going way too slowly. Let's wrap it up. And what's going to happen when the pardons come? And they are going to come. Giuliani already said that if the president thinks it's unfair as to what happens, of which he already did say it's unfair, then Giuliani said that the president will pardon. He doesn't think he has to because there's no wrongdoing at all. In terms of collusion, but notice the president only talks about collusion. And every time there's a report, for example, this last report by the inspector general, 
The president says he was vindicated. The president wasn't even mentioned in the report. But that shows, I guess if you're not mentioned, it's a vindication as opposed to you're not mentioned. Or they haven't even looked into that yet. We don't know at this point where it's going to go. So what's going to happen when the uh, the pardons come down? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. There, of course, the Democrats will go berserk, a huge uproar. You will hear the Republicans say it's unfortunate. Uh, we disagree with the president. Now let's move forward. There won't be an attack on the president. It won't be an abuse of his power. It won't be something he should. It took a political view, which he had no business doing, because this is a criminal matter. And uh, nothing is going to happen. Because we now know if you are an anti-Trumpist and you are a Republican, you lose an election. That's it. Mark Sanford, you lose. It's that simple. You cannot, as a Republican, say anything against Trump and expect to win your district. Which means when the pardons come down for criminal activity, I don't think Mueller is going to turn over evidence to the Department of Justice for uh, in, in terms of actually taking people to trial or begin uh, and ask for an indictment or whatever he's going to do. Uh, I don't think he's going to do that without a belief that there is legitimate criminality here. And most of who will say, yeah, look at the proof. It doesn't matter because the accusation, the proof moving forward is all a witch hunt. When it comes to this president, as I said, any attack is political in nature. There is no Trumpist that is that can commit a, cr- a crime by definition. Can't get a ticket even. But I can prove he was doing 65 in a 45 mile an hour zone. That is a witch hunt. Now, am I exaggerating? Not a lot. The, uh, the pardons are going to come. They're already setting it up, though. I've been talking about it. Giuliani, unfair. The president, unfair. Giuliani, he has the power of doing it. All right, coming up, let's switch gears. Video game addiction. We've heard about it. It looks like it's real. KFI AM 640. A Monday morning, some of the stories that we are covering, uh, obviously the big story is family separation causing a huge stir. And it's a lot more complicated than just let's separate families because we woke up this morning and just wanted to do that. Uh, Earthquake has hit Osaka, Japan, and the Monsanto company is going to trial because of Roundup. You ever use Roundup? Weed control? You're going to die. Like next week. Very depressing. All right. Uh, Addiction in video games. Come on. You know, everybody says there's an addiction to everything. Well, it looks like uh, addiction to video games seems to be real. The new world, uh, the uh, World Health Organization uh, has just come out and said 
that players can actually become addicted, like addiction to drugs, addiction to smoking, alcoholics. So uh, today, the uh, a new draft of the organization's International Classification of Diseases is now naming gaming disorder as part of uh, their definition of diseases. So uh, this designation may help legitimize worries about the video game fans who neglect other parts of their lives and maybe make gamers more willing to seek treatment if they understand they are addicted. Case in point, my daughter, who spends a lot of hours in front of that uh, screen, or two screens in her case, a lot of hours. Is she addicted? Uh, Who the hell knows? I'll tell you one thing she's not addicted to is school. Uh, She is certainly not addicted to hanging out with a family. She comes home and uh, will say, hey, I'm going to work, walks up the stairs, and I don't see her for two days. Is it an addiction? Who knows? At least she's not, uh, not out doing drugs. That's our rationale, right? Yeah, that works. Uh, Around the world. 2.6 2.6 billion people play video games. Uh, that's about a third of the, of the planet. Two-thirds of us, American household, and this is the Entertainment Software Association is giving us that report. Annual revenue is going to grow 31% uh, within three years to $180 billion. Uh, the last blockbuster, Fortnite, uh, reported... million earning in a month. And the thing about movies that are blockbusters is that they come and go, right? Movies are spectacular. This goes on and on for years if you have a successful game. Well, uh, guess what? The industry has pushed back against the classification, uh, saying it is deeply flawed, and points to the educational, therapeutic, and recreational value of the games. And uh, this is akin, and by the way, they may be right, I don't know. Maybe uh, the World Health Organization is wrong, but it's akin to the tobacco industry when not only did they deny that there was uh, a connection between lung cancer, heart disease, other diseases, and smoking, they turned around and did exactly this. Uh, It's good for you to smoke. It's really good. The problem is there really is no science here. Uh, A very early study 10 years ago found that uh, nearly 9% of young players were addicted to their games. The problem is they were so addicted that it was easy to tell. Now, maybe it's more subtle. Now, some mental health professionals said, well, you know, it's not a, a disorder in and of itself is symptomatic or side effect of more familiar conditions, depression, anxiety, and what do you do when you're depressed and anxious? If you have a video game there, you can dive into that. So what are parents and patients, if you believe you are addicted, and parents certainly believe their children are addicted, well, they rely on Google, word of mouth. Are there disease, have the... The centers, the addiction centers, have they grasped this? Not really. Also, how do you deal with it? I mean, does everybody sit around high and 
let's say it's uh, Pamela, who is our daughter who's addicted. Does she sit around and go, hi, my name's Pamela, and I'm addicted to video games? Hi, Pamela! By the way, you can reach her at uh, Pretty Poison 105 at Twitch. When in doubt, whore for your kids, right? Didn't see her for three days. Why? She was at the 3E convention. That's why. All right, coming up, Moolah Monday with Guy Adami. Uh, Amazon and Google paying off your student loans. Student loans, sorry. And the shopping scams that are out there. You know, all the different companies you can shop with and delivery. There are scams aplenty. This is KFI AM 640. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Handle should absolutely go to. Handle here. It is a uh, Monday morning, June 18th, and uh, time for Moolah Monday with Guy Adami and so much to talk about. Good morning, Guy. Good morning, Bill. Okay, uh, let's start with. Uh, the delivery services, uh, retailers, Amazons, Whole Foods, uh, that was a, almost a $14 billion deal. Uh, deal. As a matter of fact, they're opening a, a Whole Foods store right across the street from us. Come on. It opens in five days. Outstanding news. Uh, yes. And uh, so uh, let's talk about uh, these uh, e-commerce companies buying into uh, the big retailers. It's fascinating, right? You know, I think what I find to be the most interesting is, if you think about it, Amazon is this um, BMS that has worked basically on the web, and now they're going into the bricks and mortar. So, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. It's it's funny to me that Amazon, um, with their Whole Foods purchase, it's for distribution, I think. And, you know, maybe the bricks and mortar is actually not dying. So, you know, a lot of these e-commerce places may be taking a page from the book of Amazon. And, and it's interesting because if you've watched over the last couple months, a lot of these stocks that have been left for dead, like Macy's, like Nordstrom's, have had tremendous runs to the upside. I know I'm getting off topic a little bit, but what it speaks to is you can't just live in the Internet. You actually have to have a presence uh, in the bricks-and-mortar world. How do these companies uh, make any money uh, I just, I don't understand. I know how Amazon volume. makes money. But, you know, you can lose money, and you can lose money in volume. Here is uh, the Amazon delivering uh, food. Uh, the industry, food industry, is tiny percentage. I mean, the margin is infinitesimal. Razor thin. Uh, so how then does Amazon, for example, with delivery of food, pay for the guys driving the trucks, the delivery service? How in... And people going out and picking the fruit, vegetables, food, because that doesn't happen in the supermarket. You do your own and make money. I just don't the get final it. Final mile. How do they make money on that? And it's interesting you say that. Now, the, the, the short answer is Amazon, although their revenues are tremendous, they don't make a whole lot of money. I know that sounds ridiculous. because, But what are they doing? In my opinion, they're playing a long game. So I think they're saying to their investors, by the way, and their investors have been giving them every bit of benefit of the doubt and cutting them a tremendous amount of slack, as you've seen what the stock has done. But what they're saying is, listen, we're playing this long game, global domination. At a certain point, 
We can turn the thermostat up. We can go to 11 to, quote, spinal tap, and we can make margins which are infinitesimal. We can bring them to a level that instead of being unprofitable, we are remarkably profitable. So what I think the Amazon game is get as many people, get as many businesses under the umbrella as humanly possible and then turn the dial. And I think that's what they're doing. Not unlike what Netflix is doing, by the way, who spends a tremendous amount of money, um, still doesn't make all that much money, but they're playing an end game as well of world domination. So the, the investors out there have to ask themselves the following question. Will they be successful Will they be able to get as many users as possible and then turn that knob in order to make money hand over fist? And that's really what the game is all about. So in uh, Amazon's case, and I had read this and talked to uh, the financial people, is uh, it didn't make money while they were getting market share until Jeff Bezos woke up one day and said, today's the day. Today's the day. And all of a sudden, boom, you've got a profit uh, company. And, And Netflix, as you talk about Netflix, how many customers does Netflix uh, have around the how, world? How many? Um, you co- know, that's a great. A couple question. of hundred, maybe a couple of hundred million. I think it's north of a hundred million now. It's a ridiculous number, and their their U.S. growth continues to astound, and their inter, and their and their international growth is off the charts. So you say what you want about uh, Netflix and their content, and they're spending money and they're burning money. But people sign up in droves. And as much as people say there's competition out there in the form of Hulu, and I said this on Jennifer's show earlier today, nobody talks about Huluing and chilling. It's all about Netflix and chill. So when your product becomes a verb, you're in a very good shape. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Netflix has 100, 100 million customers. So the, uh, the product goes up a buck a month. Okay. Yeah. yeah, who cares about a dollar a month, Okay. Uh, and all of a sudden, that's $100 million a month. It just, it just by raising prices, it's that old thing about, you know, if you put a frog in a pot of water and slowly turn up the temperature, the frog ain't going anywhere. And right. that's the same thing with raising prices. You know, if you slowly raise prices, Bill Handel doesn't notice a buck here or a buck there. And I think that's exactly what Netflix is doing, not to call you a frog. Oh, no, please do. And that's uh, a compliment in my world. Nice analogy, though. Uh, it's a very good analogy. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and uh, take a break and come back and talk about paying off your student loans as soon as possible. As e- soon as possible. Okay, well, t- here's why, and Guy will tell you all about Thank that. Thank you. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. This is KFI. When I was a young boy, I thought that school was free. I tried to make some here. money just to buy some decent socks. Forgot about my loans Art. and now I live inside a box. Okay. Yeah, why not? Uh, that's timing, right? I keep on interrupting the song. All right, Guy Adami is back with us for Moolah Monday. And Guy, the next... Did I just hang up on Guy? No, I did. Are we redialing him? Did I press a button that was wrong? I have no idea. So I don't know where the hell Guy is. So now I can make fun of him. All right. So uh, <clears throat> let me go on and uh, uh, until he comes back and uh, I will do the segment. All right. Start paying off your student loans as soon as possible, even before graduation. And Guy will tell you all about that when he comes back. Also, online shopping can be a mindful of scams. Here's how to protect yourself. I'll tell you after asking Guy Adami how that works. I love uh, radio. Don't you love live radio? Uh, And I want to ask him 
that about the fear of a trade war, how it's straining the global economy. And uh, as I explain it to you, I'm waiting for Guy Adami to explain it to me. All right, here we go. Bill, Guy, yes. That, you I, hung up on me, Bill. Well, I think I pushed some button wrong. All right, so uh, let's get into it. I actually did all the explaining uh, while uh, you were off the phone. I don't oh. know if you're aware of that. My, well, how could I be aware? I'm in New Jersey. You're in WKFI 640 AM in Burbank, California. WKFI? Clearly you're in New Jersey. There, <laughs> no W here and no K here. All right, uh, let's go right. Actually, I was joking about how I'm, I explained everything by telling uh, the folks that it's going to be you that's going to be telling me how to explain everything. Uh, student loans. One and a half trillion dollars. That's enough to break the economy, isn't it? That is the economy. Uh, I, I think it is. I mean, it's, you know, talk about a ticking time bomb. Yeah, it's a significant number. And listen, I think the average amount of money people owe is somewhere between thirty-five and $40,000 ish. Women owe more than men, but they're probably more women in school than men. Um, but the, the reality is, and we'll talk about how you should sort of get around this or, or, or expedite the process, but you know, if the consumer is 70% of the U.S. economy, and if there's all that kind of student loan debt out there, if people are just paying money to service their debt and they can't spend it on their Starbucks coffee, this is something that potentially could really hamstring the economy, and people have talked about that. So that's one problem. The other problem is just untenable. It's unsustainable. It's, it is a significant issue and something that people don't want to talk about but it's something that's clearly right. out there. All right, but it, it, it has a lot to do with the default rate, doesn't it? And is the default rate climbing? It's slowly climbing, and that makes sense if you think about it, because wage growth isn't there to support it. Um, you know, I can't speak to what the default rate was and where it's going to be, but let me tell you something. If interest rates continue to tick higher, and if it becomes more and more difficult to service the, the interest on these loans, then by definition, the default rate's going to climb. So, and that's not good for anybody. So how do you pay them off? Just how do you pay them off sooner? Obviously, high interest uh, loan debts and high interest, uh, I'm assuming that the uh, loans themselves are reasonably high interest rates. Uh, how do you do it? How do you pay them you off? Pay, you, you say to yourself, well, first of all, there's a grace period between when you graduate and when you have to start paying. Pay, pay money during that grace period, number one. It's typically six months. So start early is my first suggestion. My second suggestion is add principal to the, each payment. So let's say, for example, you're paying $250 a month, and that's just a number I made up. If you can somehow afford to pay $300, and that extra 50 is principal, you'll be shocked by how quickly um, the duration of the loan gets sort of uh, whittled away. So add principal payments to the extent you can. And by the way, you can because you know and I know we waste an inordinate amount of money in our everyday lives on things we really don't need. Starbucks comes to mind. Yeah, that seems to be the end-all, be-all where uh, that's uh, the – the single most uh, uttered phrase when you're talking about saving money is don't Starbucks it. Uh, well, if you're spending 5 to $7 a day in Starbucks, just start doing the math, Bill. I mean, if you instead of spending it on yeah. Starbucks, if you squirrel away and put it towards your student loan, and if you can take a number of years off the life of that loan, you're yeah. doing yourself a huge service. So, I'm assuming uh, smoking uh, one pack a day. Well, you and quit smoke anyway. But if you do and can stop it, 
Uh, so uh, another motivator to stop it. What is that? Seven bucks a pack here? I, I, over there, me. it's I mean, crazy, I isn't it? Fired up, man. That's not my thing. But if it's seven bucks a pack, that's seven dollars back in your pocket. Plus, your lungs will thank you. Exactly. All right. Let's uh, quickly shift uh, uh, shift gears here and uh, talk about uh, the yeah. Let's talk about the trade war and what it's going to do. And, and we're already into it, aren't we? We're into it. Obviously, the rhetoric continues to get ramped up. Uh, the president made comments late last week. China made comments in kind. You know, you, listen, I don't know if we're getting ripped off by the Chinese. I have no idea. My sense is we probably are. But I said this to you last week, and I'll say it again. Just because there's a trade deficit, by definition, doesn't mean you're getting ripped no, off. And, and I understand. And the thing about the dentist. So, right. We, with that said, you know, look, th this rhetoric is going to continue to get ratcheted up. And I think... In my opinion, President Trump's real reason for trying to make peace in North Korea is to turn up the heat on the Chinese. If that's just my view. So if he can go and say, listen, I just created a peaceful uh, Korean peninsula and you no, no longer need to worry about these folks. Oh, and by the way, you know, there's going to be free trade. So cut it out on the tariffs and cut ripping us off. I think he's going to force their hand. So I think that's really the whole end game. And I hope it is. North Korean thing. I hope it is, because he's the only president we've had that has the balls to confront China. Are you China. allowed to say that on radio? No. I guess you are. No, absolutely not. That. In the meantime, I would, have said, I would have said cajones or huevos or something along those lines. But yeah, that's which, me. which is another, it's a euphemism for balls. In the meantime, which I'm not allowed to say, right? But well, he, I don't know, Bill. You're the, you're the radio know. Hall of Fame, not me. Uh, yeah, matter of fact, I talk about balls there. Uh, real quickly, he since he is the only president who has actually had uh, the guts to confront China with them ripping us off ridiculously, and it's such it's so unfair. And even as you explain, the balance of trade makes a lot of sense. He's sort of mixing up uh, what is reasonable and what isn't. Uh, does China at some point fold, or do they go tit for tat, and we are in a true trade war? Because they're not going to give up what they're doing to us. No, and that's a, that is the question. So in this game of chicken, in the, the ultimate game of chicken, will China flinch, or will they say, will they escalate? And so ask yourself this. President Trump needs to run again in basically two and a half years-ish, right? So he has to run for re-election. President Xi does not. So... You know what? Quite frankly, if there's a if there's a position of strength politically, it's in the hands of the Chinese. So I think they can escalate absolutely, and I think if they're playing the ultimate long game, they can absolutely escalate and and, and raise tension. So I think in the short term, there could be some pain here because, as you know, and as President Trump has proven, and he ran on it, he's not going to back down. So if the rhetoric gets ratcheted up from the Chinese, you can rest assured. It'll get ratcheted up here. So I think in terms of the markets, I think that's something the market should be concerned about. And at least for today, with the Dow down about 165 points, it is. All right, Guy, thank you. We'll talk again next week. And uh, nobody's got bigger huevos than you, Bill. All right, thank you. Oh, I mean, that's so sweet. Yeah. You're right. Big ones, brass ones. All right, coming up, handle on. God, I'm so self-aggrandizing, aren't I? I'm even astounded by it. Coming up, handle on the news, late edition. Jennifer Jones leads. Handle on the news, late edition. Handle on the news. Hello, I'm Jewish, and 
said in his own words, Jews don't win anything. And even if he was joking, again, I find it to be very wrong. And now, here's Bill Handel. KFI Handel here. It is Monday morning, uh, that promo. Uh, I find it to be very wrong, what I said. Oh, that's unique. Boy, I haven't heard that one before. I find Handel to be very wrong. Okay, uh, thank you so much for that. All right, uh, let's do it, guys. So before we do, uh, just really quickly, let me give you George Norrie uh, to talk about. Uh, it's going to be your with your help that uh, George Norrie and LK get into the National Radio Hall of Fame and the voting ends tonight. So here's what you do. You vote for George to be inducted into the Hall of Fame by texting 700 to 96,000. Or you can vote or and you can vote online, radiovote.com. You can do both. So 796,000, text radiovote.com. Also vote for Ellen Kay from uh, Coast. She's part of our family, our iHeart family. God, I hate when people say that. Really not a family. It's a bunch of radio stations owned by one company. I mean, that's not a family. It's a bunch of radio well, stations owned by one company. What about the people? The people at the radio stations. You don't consider them family. No. What about the, I barely consider I barely consider my family family for God's sake. That was going to be my next question. All right, you ready to do it? But you're basically saying like your family is your family, just kind of on a technicality. Yeah. Oh, for example, our sister station down the hall. That's not our. It, it may be our stepsister. Maybe that we abuse. All right, let's do it. Lead story. All of us are immigrants. All right. Uh, Jeff Sessions this morning uh, had a press conference which made absolute, uh, almost no sense. He said the government will not encourage migrants to big children. Well, that's true. Uh, and that if the wall was built, the problem of illegal immigration would be reduced and officials would not be confronted by terrible choices, such as splitting up families. Well, they don't have to be confronted by terrible choices. They can just say no. We're not going to split up families by not charging people criminally. As Steve Gregory talked about, if it's a civil issue, families stay together. Uh, and I love this. He also said that anybody stopping, uh, anybody stopped entering the country illegally would be criminally charged, even if they're seeking asylum. Now, that makes no sense to me, because if you're seeking asylum, you are doing it legally. The entire process is a legal process. And at the border, they simply say no, and you're not in the United States yet. You're at the border, so I don't quite understand what. Is he saying even seeking asylum, you get arrested? It almost sounds like a guilty until proven innocent. Well, it is guilty. No, they are guilty. But until are they proven. actually prosecuting people who present themselves for asylum, or is he floating that message to try to discourage people? And I this don't is know. all a big mind game right yeah, it now. Is. That and it's playing. optics. And it's optics. Talking about optics, uh, the GOP lawmakers are asking Trump, dial back the zero tolerance. As you said, Wayne, it is optics. And it is horrible for the administration. The administration's looking like heartless, inhumane slobs. And it is not good news in terms of the optics. Now, is it going to stop him? Of course not. He's going to do what he wants to do. And his base is, it doesn't care what his base is. Uh, he could execute people at the border and they'd be fine with that. Uh, so we'll see if he pays attention at all 
to even uh, members of his own party. Or his own family, because Melania Melania has spoken out. Also, I don't know what kind of sway uh, Laura Bush could possibly hold, but she's written about it being a heartbreaking situation. But even Melania, who said that she didn't like the idea of separating the families, also said that she hoped, though, that this would mean that both sides would work together. Again, though, pointing out that... There are two sides to this politically in that the president keeps saying, if the Democrats had given me my wall in the first place, (laughs) we never would be here. And the part that I can't stand about this is the president is blaming the Democrats, where he could undo it with one phone call, one signature line. They're done. But no, it's the Democrats' fault. They're stopping me from actually picking up that pen and writing the order that uh, people coming in the country will not be charged criminally. I think there's a legitimate view of this also that why should any country faced with this problem, why should the answer have to be the country has to capitulate and not enforce their laws? That that's somehow the only way this gets resolved. And it's and you're but and you're right about that. However, the argument is that people are still not entering the country if uh if they're if they cross the border illegally, it's going to be a civil matter where they're thrown in a detention center. We just need enough of them. Families stay together and everybody's deported at one time. Kids, everybody, car seats, they do it all. You stop up at Burger King for a quick burger for the kids uh, or a happy meal at McDonald's. And the government would pay for it. Government won't pay for my happy meals, will it? No. No. Very depressing. All right. Coming up, we've got more. We'll finish it up, and let's go through these very quickly. KFI AM 640. KFI Handle here as we finish. Handle on the news, uh, late edition, Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Here's a headline. Martin Luther King would be proud of what the president has done for blacks and Hispanics. Especially at the border, said Steve, Steve Bannon. Bannon. And it just, <clears throat> that says enough. It's not even a thing of arguing whether he's right or wrong. How the hell do we know what this guy would think now? That's crazy. Uh, All right. I mentioned earlier in a sports report that some of the seismic sensors in Mexico were tripped by the celebration over Mexico's World Cup victory over Germany. Yeah, they weren't. Uh, No, they were. It's just that uh, the sensations were so low that they don't qualify as earthquakes. (laughs) But they did detect activity. But they would also detect a truck rumbling past them. We get that all the time. When you feel and hear that thump-a-thump-a-thump with a truck rolling past, okay, big deal. Mm-hmm. All right. Mayor Garcetti's office apparently is not talking about inappropriate behavior that's being reported. But I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing because it was right after the Harvey Weinstein thing that uh, Mayor Garcetti yeah. started addressing sexual harassment at City Hall. It has like a, a new website that they can go to to register complaints. Is it so bad to keep those complaints under wraps, yeah, especially of if it makes people more apt to come forward if they think yeah. that it's going to be kept quiet, yeah. handled but kept quiet? Yeah, I just uh, I don't think this is necessarily how many people bad. have actually gone there. Come on, All right? We is have it to- any of our business? Uh, as long as it's being taken care of? Right. I don't know. We're paying for all of it. Okay, Israeli sperm. Oh, this guy, uh, his name is Ari Nagel, and apparently all the women want to have his baby. Yeah. Oh, boy. 
he is an unofficial sperm donor who has fathered 33 children in the last 10 years. And this is literally how it works. Women seek him out and say, "We want, I want your sperm yeah, to have a baby. And they go to a place like a Target bathroom or a Starbucks, and he supplies the material yeah, this, there. That's... What is wrong with that? Yeah, that you can't so he do. Tri- oh he tried to go to Israel because there's a whole bunch of women in Israel who want it, and Israel said, oh, no, 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 yeah. no. We're not taking it from R- you. We're not, not letting any of our sperm banks freeze it for you. That's Forget right. it. We're done with you. Yeah, just insanity. All well, right. I've heard of sisters, you know, having little fights, but uh, mutual combat? I've not heard of this one. <laughs> Very good. This is... This isn't just mutual combat. They're not punching at each other. They're stabbing each other. Yeah, and apparently some 30-year-old guy is suspected of initiating these two girls from Madison, like talking them into engaging in mutual combat. The sisters, 23 and 24, apparently started stabbing at each other and had stab wounds on their arms. There you are. Well, yeah. Both women will be charged with domestic, recklessly no. endangering yeah. safety and There's... also uh, listening to a guy they shouldn't listen to. Oh, my gosh. Oh, speaking of sisters, two sisters decided to go out and get some Dunkin' Donuts. They flipped the SUV they were driving. They both got out pretty much without a scratch. Did I mention they were 10 and 12? Well, they were. They were home alone. They decided they wanted donuts. They took their, uh, I think, their father's girlfriend's SUV. And here's the best part. 10 and 12, the 10-year-old was driving. Of course. Oh. Yeah, the 10-year-old said, you're too immature at 12 to drive. I'll do it. (laughs) Dunkin' Donuts are just not that good. First of all, they're cake donuts, right, for the most part? Well, they have both. I know, but they're just, come on, they're not that good. There's a place around the corner from me. I've never been there to there. So you'd be okay with this story if they had gone for Krispy Kreme or something like that? No, I mean, it makes more sense. <laughs> At least there's some logic to that. Here is some logic to why I love dogs so much. A loyal Yorkie stayed by the side of its little girl that was missing until it heard the barks of rescue dogs. I'm gonna burn me can't, a Jen, just see, I don't know if you can see. I think you can't. Handle's already making the face. I, I saw him rolling his eyes. Already. So he, so there he is. He parks next to this uh, missing three-year-old. Three-year-old and, little girl. I know. Now, of course, the story is left out. The part that's left out is she had uh, doggy treats in her pocket that the dog couldn't get uh, to. Who cares what the reason that's was? Why, that's why the dog stayed there. She got lost in a little cornfield, very dense one in Missouri one night. She goes out about 8.30, and her dog... It cracks me up. Her name is Remy Merritt. Her dog, Fat Heath. There you are. Who's a Yorkie. Stayed by her all night until all these volunteers go out with search dogs. And the search dogs are barking, barking, barking. And they hear this little weak bark. And they are all reunited. Uh Here's an animal story you're going to like, Bill. Uh, A woman in Indonesia goes out to do some work on her vegetable garden. I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh. (laughs) Did you just laugh? She gets eaten by a python. Well, there you are. You're right. He's I mean, she is eaten. I mean, 23 foot python eats her whole starting from her head. Yeah. I've always thought that mm. it must be very uncomfortable, you know, like Joan of the Whale business, uh, being eaten. What do you think about when you're going down the gullet? But you're already dead. You've been uh, squeezed to death. Yeah. Well, python up. is like flying coach. Being eaten by a whale is more like first class. Yeah. It was uh, so, uh, and this is really rare. And most of the time, these are urban myths. Uh, this wasn't. This actually happened. And sadly, the end to the Loch Ness Monster hunt has come as the, I guess he was like the most dedicated hunter of Loch Ness says, 
It's not a monster. It's a catfish. Oh, please. 13-foot catfish. Well, that's just another theory. Yeah, it's just a theory. That doesn't mean there's not also a monster down there. Right, and it's a guy. It comes from a man who gave up his job, gave up his girlfriend, English, uh, in 1991 to spend his life looking for the Loch Ness Monster. You saying he's a crackpot? Oh, yeah. Okay. And thinks it is a Wells catfish, a 13-foot catfish. That is a big fish, but... It ain't the Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness Monster is enormous. That picture uh, that proves the Loch Ness Monster is for real, uh, taken in 1934, and it was actually... Uh, you know it's not. Well, the guy who did it... I mean, it's a real photograph. Yeah, the, the man who actually took the photo and photoshopped it in those days, wasn't the photoshopped, uh, it was a sea monster model head attached to a toy submarine that was floating, and he snapped a picture of it. Therefore, proof. People are insanely naive and stupid. Ever been to Loch Ness? No. It's a lake. That's it. It's a lake like all the other lakes there. You know, there are dozens in that area. And uh, this one has a monster. Yeah, of course. This has a monster. It's beautiful. The monster? And, And you know what Loch... Uh, why? They, what the, the word lock is? Lake. It's lake in uh, high Scottish or low Scottish. <laughs> you, you take the high road and I'll take, uh, let's get out of here. Uh, the psychological damage done to those border kids. We haven't really talked about that. Well, some experts are weighing in who've actually talked to them and have studied this. And it is... First of all, very troubling and not particularly surprising, unfortunately. We'll cover that when we come back. Handle in the morning crew, KFI AM 640. KFI Handle here on a Monday morning, June 18th. Biggest story that we're uh, covering, of course, obviously, is the family separation story. And this morning, uh, there's more in uh, that Jeff Sessions talked about how, um, again, zero tolerance. And uh, he has asked that uh, Congress deal with this. And th- and it really is complicated. It's almost uh, like the homeless problem. You have to deal with it immediately and th- you really can't. And you got the same thing going with the border because if it's, if it's going to be charged criminally, then you uh, you have to separate the kids by law. And if you if, if or the process is you simply make the decision, we make the decision that we're not going to charge anybody criminally. Then it becomes there's no such thing as anybody crossing the border illegally. Uh, and nothing happens other than a civil uh, action being taken against them. Uh, so it's it's a little bit complicated to say the least. And what the difference between what uh, the uh, Obama administration did is simply the numbers. They just didn't have a zero tolerance policy. But other than that, people were still separated for their families. So it's simply uh, how strict you're going to deal with this. All right. So let me give you another uh, spin on this. And that is what happens to those kids who are separated from their families and uh, the experts are uh, now being, uh, they are being contacted and uh, they're putting their expertise into it and explaining what happens. 
And uh, this is tough. Uh, and I'm specifically referring to, uh, in Brownsville, Texas, uh, the largest place where they're putting the kids, 1,400 boys aged t- 10 to 17, 22 hours a day inside. They sleep in overcrowded makeshift bedrooms because, again, uh, you have to – one of the outcomes of this particular problem, if you if we are going to charge people criminally as opposed to civilly – then what happens is they go into a federal detention, and if there are children, those are separated out. And they're put in these detention centers. And that is the law, or at least the settlement that was reached in 1999. And so the issue simply becomes, what does the government do? Uh, other than never charge anybody criminally who crosses the border illegally with kids. So... Now that more and more people are being charged with uh, illegal uh, illegal uh, transportation or illegal entry into the country with kids, zero tolerance, that means the kids are being taken from them. And that means youth detention facilities are becoming more crowded. And let's look at who these kids are. Uh, they've been fleeing their home countries for the U.S., usually from Guatemala or Honduras. That's the latest. They've already experienced trauma. Uh, Louis Zayas, the dean of the School of Social Work, University of Texas at Austin, who is studying this, have said they usually grow up in extreme poverty, which makes a lot of sense because wealthy people don't come over illegally. They've either witnessed or been victims of violence themselves. Teenage boys are told you either join a gang or we kill you. Kids have watched their mother and father being threatened, harassed, killed by these gangs. And by the time they end up at a shelter, they've made that very long, dangerous trek and have spent time in uh, the ICE uh, detention centers that are very cold and very cramped. Why? Because uh, the government simply hasn't had time to build detention center because this zero tolerance just started. And as a result of zero tolerance, more people are being separated from their families and you can't just overnight create shelters and create centers that are decent, that are, that are built uh, for that specific purposes, uh, that have school rooms, that have enough medical facilities. And so it's temporary, and it's not fun for those people. Chandra Gosh Ippen, who is Associate Director of the Child Trauma Research Program, University of California, San Francisco, weighs in. And says the facilities don't have enough staff members to give kids uh, the sense of security they need. And children in these youth detention centers often develop mental illness and behavioral issues. Uh, That's no surprise, is it? Uh, Studies, we're talking about actual studies, have shown that uh, kids who are kept separate from their parents. Now, this this has gone on for years. Now, it's just a question of numbers. That we're talking about now and the optics and the politics we're talking about what has happened and for years it has happened they show symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder right out there ptsd that's what these kids are suffering from depression anxiety have nightmares wet the bed refuse to eat even after they have been released. I'm going to come back and finish this up. 
And uh, I want to specifically talk to you parents. And I want to connect this story to you and your kids as you were raising your children. And in uh, your case, Jennifer, as you were raising your dogs. Okay. And uh, see what happens when they are put in a uh, detention center, also known as the pound. Okay. And we're going to break in right now. The president making a speech on immigration this morning. And that's the way it is. Now I'd like to thank you. So right there, oh, it looks President like we took Trump the very end of that. Oh uh, yeah, right? there we go. Uh, well done for all of us. Never this, fails. Never this, fails. No, it really doesn't. So we were discussing. Uh, that's it, Jen and I. Do we take it? Do we take it? Do we wait? Because uh, we didn't know that he was actually going to speak about the border safety. It was the National Space Council that he's speaking in front of. And so he goes right into immigration and go, wait a minute, what's he talking about immigration? And effectively said, it's beautiful. The Democrats, if the Democrats give us uh, the proper laws, then uh, we'll have no problem. It'll be beautiful. It'll be spectacular. Uh, and leaving out, of, of course, that it is the Trump administration that is making the choice that all of these illegal aliens coming in will be charged criminally. And that's what causes the separation of the family. That's sort of being left off uh, the table. But he did not say anything new. He just defended the policy already. Right. In place. Zero tolerance. All right. Uh, let's go back to uh, the topic of what happens to these kids who are separated. And uh, uh, we're looking at some studies and experts are weighing in on this because obviously the interest has uh, uh, just uh, exploded on this. And that is what happens to these kids who go into the detention center. They're already victims of horrible things that happen in Guatemala and Honduras, specifically uh, the gang violence, uh, the fact they've seen parents murdered. It's uh, just god-awful. And remember, the the Trump administration, Jeff Sessions said that uh, gang violence and economic hardship is not the basis for entering the... uh, or entering the country. It has to be a governmental uh, process in which they are treated badly. In other words, the bad actors have to be the government. And anything else, uh, you're out of luck. So the kids are being, of course, uh, I mean, they're treated humanely. I mean, they're not, uh, they're not withholding food. But the centers are very cramped. And the kids are separated from the families. And that's the problem. Because of the post-traumatic stress syndrome, which uh, when you separate kids. Now, for those of you that have kids, and I've often talked to Marjorie about this, and there's some real issue about my parenting skills. Uh, What a shocker, right? Uh, The fact that uh, my kids have been in therapy since uh, actually they were six months old. And how many uh, infants do you put in therapy? that's That's how badly it started with me and the kids. Okay, all joking aside for a moment, because this is serious. One of the things that I am most proud of is the fact, and like you, I can take care of my family. I have enough financial wherewithal to make sure that my family has a roof over its head, that there's plenty of food on the table, uh, that necessities are taken care of. The other thing that I was so important to me, and uh, it pans out, of course, is I wanted to make sure my kids always felt safe. Always. That when they're around mom and dad, they knew they were safe. Even when they were out of the house, 
my daughter, for example, lives in the, the condo down the street uh, with my god with my goddaughter, but and she's home two three days a week because that's her that's her touchstone. She feels safe at our house no matter what happens. Now, take these kids, and they've gone through all of this trauma that is just unbelievable, and separate them from mom and dad when they're six years old, when they're eight years old. And what's left in their life is a sense of security because in the end, I always have mom and dad, don't I? And they don't. And the trauma of that uh, is devastating. And that's just not me saying that. Because, of course, uh, I mean, that's just logical. Who would not think that? But, in fact, the experts in the studies have shown that's exactly the case. And uh, one of uh, the experts here said that the facilities for migrant children should resemble campuses instead of prisons, where the kids can roam outdoors and access social services and health care. Instead, the administration is moving in the opposite direction because uh, they are, in fact, incarcerating the kids. But let me ask you this. What do you think it's going to cost and how quickly can you build a campus to house these children? Because today there will be more children separated from their families because that's the zero tolerance Effect. That's a zero-tolerance policy that the United States has instituted. Now, I'm not talking about the morality of this, okay? You can feel one way or the other. I'm talking about practically what is happening. And that is you separate kids from their families, and it doesn't matter on what basis, be it political, be it immoral or moral, and as a result of that, you have to park them someplace And where do you? Well, they don't have these campuses. They don't have facilities. They took a Walmart, for example, and quickly transformed it into a detention center where they put 1,400 boys. And there just ain't the room. Is there a gymnasium for them to play? Are there play areas? Uh, There's no room. They're busting at the seams. And that is, uh, you know, one one of the aspects of the zero tolerance policy that I don't think was thought through very carefully. Because because what's more important to this uh, the administration? We have to build the wall. We have to have security. We're feeding the kids. They have a place to stay. Granted, it's a little bit crowded. But it's not inhumane where people have gone through there. They won't even let film cameras in there. You know, they won't let a video camera in any one of these detention centers. They have allowed a few reporters to walk through without a microphone, without a camera. And the reporters have said, this is prison. This is nothing short of a prison. They are locked up. This is a detention center. All right, coming up, let's just have a good time. Do they have a case? Wayne Resnick, and we'll see how uh, we'll see how right I am. So far this year, pretty good. Not bad. So we'll try it out. Of course, there are some rules, which I'll tell you about when we come back. KFI, let's check in with Jennifer Jones. 
Gavel time. The banging of the gavel when Bill Handel says if they have a kiss. Oh yeah, it's gavel time. We know Bill Handel can't be a real judge any place. It's gavel time. KFI Handel here on a Monday, June 18th. Uh, some of the biggest stories that we're covering, of course, family separation issue, uh, earthquake. In Osaka, Japan, three people died. And, uh, of course, uh, the fact is we're about to do, do they have a case, which is very important. And here are the rules. Uh, Wayne uh, comes up with uh, cases that are either being decided by the lower courts on appeal and have been decided on, on appeal or have gone all the way up. And I hear of at the same time you do. Oh, uh, is our Instagram up yet? There is an Instagram up. Matter of fact, a couple of fun ones that we did, uh, not only over the weekend, but one we just did relating to do they have a case? And uh, if you go there now at Bill Handel Show on Instagram, you will see what I'm seeing for today's do they have a case? Yes, uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And that's on uh, that's on Instagram at Bill Handel Show. Yes, and sir. you've just tweeted something too. And uh, I tweeted a photograph. Right. Uh, on on our Twitter at Bill Handel Show as right. well. Okay, do they have a case? Let's start it with Wayne. All right. So this is where the law can get so into the minutia. Here's what happened: Coast Guard are out patrolling. They see this boat. It's in international waters, and they think, "Oh, I wonder if they're smuggling some dope." Let's get on this boat. So they board the vessel, and. Uh, the, the captain of the vessel says, oh, this is, uh, we're from Ecuador. And they notice that on the side of the boat is painted a Colombian flag. Apparently, these two flags are very similar. I think Ecuador has a little coat of arms in the middle. Otherwise, they look the same. Well, in any event, they search the boat and they find drugs and there you go. So the, uh, they sued and they said, wait a minute, you can, you're not allowed to come on board a vessel that is of another country in international waters. But if you're a vessel that is stateless, the Coast Guard can come on as they please, even if they're in international waters. So here's what it boiled down to. The people on the boat said, we had a big flag painted on the side of the boat. What are you guys doing? And the government said, oh, no, 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 no. That doesn't count as flying a flag. Because it's painted on the side of the boat and it cannot flap freely in the wind, which is what you have to have to say that you're flying a flag. Who's right here? Does a painted flag on the side of a boat constitute flying a flag? I don't know. The only thing I can think of in terms of flying a flag is after I had my bariatric surgery. Uh, and uh, I lost so much weight in my ass that I could paint an American flag on it and it actually fluttered in the wind. And is that a well? Is that it's a interesting flag? that you bring up fluttering in the wind. Yes, with a flag painted on my very flabby ass. Is that considered 
a flag under international well, law. Is it, it's not whether it's a flag, though. It's whether the flag is flying. Yes, I, but is that the law, or yes. is it uh, a? It has to be flying well, the a phrase, flag. The phrase in the law is it, but right. The vessel must be flying the flag of another nation. You're right. That's minutia, and that's one of those. It could have gone either way with the courts, but since uh, this is an American court making a decision, and it depends on how racist the judges are. <laughs> So I will simply I will simply take a guess here because it could not either way. And that is uh, both my ass that it flutters in the wind with an American flag uh, painted on it and a flag painted on a ship is not a flying flag. And they didn't give a flying flag whether or not. Well, nope. they did give a flying flag, flag. and um, you're wrong, but you're wrong this time in the wrong direction. You're correct. They said a painted flag is not flying because it cannot move in the air. But your butt painted that way, if it can flutter in the wind, yes. they probably would say so, it is flying. So I have a I have a legitimate flying flag. As my uh, ass flutters in the wind, mm-hmm. and uh, a, it, now if uh, a, if I had uh, some tight buns, which now are tighter due to exercise, now it would just be a flag painted on my butt. Notice where I'm going with this in terms of the analogy. Well, this, you're talking this a is lot legally about your very, own this is legally, backside today. Uh, yeah, no, that's the backstory. Uh, one thing that's interesting about this ruling is it, it, it's a result that maybe is absurd because you could have a massive flag painted on your ship. That doesn't count. But you could have the tiniest a postage-size flag on well, a little stick, now hang on and a minute. that would count. That still counts within the law. So the word yep. visible uh, or uh it wouldn't even be the word. I guess it would. It would be visible it's, or easily visible is not in the law. No, it's flying. That's it's it. the word flying and what it means for a flag to be flying. And if it's just painted on something, it doesn't count. All right. Uh, let's take a break and go through as many more as we can because we spent the entire time uh, flying asses, uh, I guess. We spent half the time talking about your derriere. We'll be right back. here it is a monday june 18th the biggest stories that we're covering of course family separation issue huge it's gotten some huge political legs and uh the uh separation of kids and the psychological damage we did that a few minutes ago all right back we go let's finish up uh the do they have a case segment of uh, the show where wayne reads me cases so far i am one for one yep. wrong no, no, no. You were correct in their ruling. What You you were only wrong that you said, I can't believe we have to bring this up. No, again, no, no. Jen. Let's just anyway, listen you were to the right. okay. You were right. Okay. All right. So now, here we go. This is the kind of case that deals with something, the kind of thing I used to have to deal with all the time in federal sentencing. It is the, I'm going to tell you the man's name. Behave yourself. It is the United States versus Paul David Swallow. <laughs> and uh, Mr. Swallow and his wife apparently were into the meth. And one day his wife gave a guy 10 bucks. And he was supposed to bring them a little meth. 
They meet up a la- a later at a casino, and the guy says, oh, I-, I don't have your meth, and I'm not giving you back your money. Well, they didn't like that very much. So they follow him out to the parking lot, and the wife, I guess, eggs on Paul to beat the guy up, which he does. He punches him. The guy falls to the ground, and then he starts kicking him. Uh, he's wearing tennis shoes, and he starts he kicks him and kicks him and kicks him and stomps him, and the guy has permanent brain damage. So here he is in federal court, and it's an assault. And uh, the judge has to decide if there's a mathematical enhancement for the use of a dangerous weapon. Being the tennis shoes. The tennis shoes. Now, here's the definition uh, in the sentencing guidelines. Uh, Dangerous weapon is an instrument capable of causing great bodily injury or death. And that's, that's... Pretty much all you have to go yeah, on in terms yeah. of the so uh, obviously, guidelines helping obviously out. Obviously, a boot would work. Uh, that could easily be a dangerous weapon, uh, especially you go to the steel-toed boot, but even a boot. I'm going to say no as to the uh, no as to the tennis shoe. I don't know how a tennis shoe could be a dangerous weapon because uh, it is soft and it doesn't add much to uh, the force of, of the kick, but... The, the look you're giving me is the judge has said, oh, no, it's as dangerous as a ni- as a Bowie knife, right? Well, they didn't say it's as dangerous as a Bowie knife, but they did rule uh, that the tennis shoes are a dangerous weapon See, I, I don't because get they may. Well, here's it. First of all, so you have some things that are inherently dangerous, right. like a gun or a knife. And then you also have things that aren't inherently dangerous, but if used to make your violence more, more effective... They become dangerous so weapons. So it could be. So even rags tied around a foot would uh, be a dangerous weapon, according uh, to him. So the only way it would, the only way that you would not be a kicking someone, not where a dangerous weapon allegation is brought in, is you have to kick them barefoot. That's. Uh, I mean, I don't know if let's say you were wearing ballet slippers. Okay. I don't know what well, they would but say. Tennis but shoes. Yes, your point is well taken. Bare feet is really the only way. How about if you haven't cut your toenails? Well, this is a good point. And I was thinking, okay, here's something that it's not inherently dangerous and it never could be, a Nerf ball. But what if you take a Nerf ball and you cram it down somebody's throat? Well, I, but you can And do, then they choke to death. So you could do that with uh, a marshmallow. Yeah. You could do that with anything. All right. So, I, yeah, I disagree with it. That is the, the uh, that happens to be ultimately the, the blame is at the feet of the sentencing guidelines, which uh, are absurd. The feet of the sentencing guidelines. Very good. Uh-huh. Okay. One more. Uh, all right. Okay. Here we go. There's a couple of journalists. One of them works for Al Jazeera and uh, he is not an American citizen. The other one is an American citizen who works freelance for all kinds of places. BBC, Channel 4 over in the UK, Sky News, etc. Each of them sued the government the United States government, and a bunch of people, including Donald Trump by name, because they say they're pretty sure they've been put on a kill list. The reason they think they've been put on a kill list is because they keep having near-miss drone attacks when they're reporting in Syria. That, for example, they're reporting from somewhere and they walk away, and three seconds later there's a drone strike right where they were, and it keeps happening. And they're saying when you put us on this kill list, although they can't prove yet that they're on, but they suspect it, that you violated the rules that were put in place under President Obama for how a person can be put on the kill list. So here they are 
trying to sue the federal government for violating the rules about who gets put on a kill list. I Do think they it, have a case? I know I, because it's they don't have standing because it's a matter of whether or not they were on the kill list. You have to come in with other than just an allegation saying I think I coulda woulda. It's uh, there has to be a true connection to that. So I think they're out just on the standing issue. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, interestingly, the American citizen was found to have standing. And how so? Just because uh, by very nature of him being an American citizen, yeah, and they ignored different, and he, they ignored the proof aspect. Well, of that's it? that's not the end of the thing, though. You also have the problem of sovereign immunity, which you've talked about a lot. You can't sue the government unless the government says you can I sue would, us. I would think being put on a kill list, the government cannot argue sovereign immunity. Uh, I would be truly surprised if the sovereign immunity doctrine were involved in this. They did argue it. And the, and the judges fought it. Well, kind of. Here's the thing. Sovereign immunity, when you talk about the government has to basically give you permission. There are certain laws on the books that kind of automatically give certain people in certain situations permission, meaning it doesn't take a person in the government to say this particular lawsuit we will allow. So it depends on what law covers this procedure of putting the people on the kill list. And here they said, this is one of those things that if you're alleging they violated the rules about this particular thing, you can sue and sovereign immunity does not apply. So the bottom line is the guy who's not a citizen, he's completely out of luck. The guy who's a citizen has earned the right to pursue the matter further. It doesn't mean he's going to win. No, I understand. Because then we go back to the proof issue. But just see, I would guess just an allegation uh, maybe it's all just probable cause concept. If you have enough to simply say, here's what happened. I was in those areas. There were American drones. It was a near miss several times. Therefore, there's enough there to at least. There's enough it. to move forward. Yeah. And then I think in di- what would happen then in discovery, he probably gets to find out if he's really on the list. Or Unless not. it's a classified uh, issue. Then they go in Ooh. camera. I guess the judge gets to find out. Right. Maybe. All right. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you, and you looked We're, lovely today. Yeah, Instagram photo. At Bill uh, Handel Show is uh, a video on Instagram and a photo on Twitter of what you looked like today. And, and it's a fun one dealing with uh, do they have a case. We've never quite done that. All right, Gary. Yes, sir. Uh, what's on uh, the menu for you today? Uh, the president is uh, talking once again about Space Force. Uh, just a few minutes ago, he made some comments about Space Force, and he wants it to be the sixth branch of the military. Also, uh, he made some more comments a few minutes before that about the family separation issue that's just been boggling everyone's mind, what's going on along the border. Also, uh, actor, musician, game show host John Michael Higgins is going to join us next hour. And you know John Michael Higgins from all of the Christopher Guest movies like uh, Mighty Wind and oh, yeah. Best in Show. He's which, been in, in so the which, Pitch Pitch Perfect movies. Yes. Which which character? I'm trying to you know, which character was in he Pitch in? Perfect. He's one of the commentators okay. with Elizabeth uh, Berkeley. All right. And how about uh, the Mighty Wind? Oh, I couldn't tell you what okay. the character's name was. But he was also in Wag the Dog. He was. Yes, with you. I, well, I, not in my scene. He no, wasn't. he wasn't. But he was in that movie. He's done. He. By the way, I was going through his uh, filmography and his all the TV. He's been doing movies and TV shows consistently and i mean like a dozen a year since the uh, early 80s very busy 
Good for All him. kinds of work. Good so for anyway, him. So anyway, he's, he's uh, got right. a new game show that starts up today, so we'll talk with him. Fair enough. Uh, a lot going on. Gary and Shannon coming up. Uh, tomorrow we do this all over again. Uh, Gary, have a good show. Thank you, sir. Uh, this is KFI AM 640.